0: ever have a day where everything bad happens to you? Does it happen year after year? For Jews, that day is Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the Hebrew month of Av. We're going to learn about this very sad day in the Jewish calendar. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Park. The month of Av, this very month, is a sad time in the Jewish calendar. On the ninth day of the month, Jewish tradition holds that both the first and second temples were destroyed. In commemoration of these events, the rabbis declared the day one of fasting and lamentation. According to tradition, the walls of Jerusalem were breached on the 17th of Tammuz, about three weeks before Tisha B'Av. The Babylonian army, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, advanced toward the temple, finally destroying it on the ninth of Av. They carted the king and other Jewish leaders off to Babylonia. The prophet Jeremiah fled to Egypt. But most important, the Ark of the Covenant was lost. It was either destroyed or taken to places unknown. We have never learned of its fate, no matter what the movies at Ark Hunters say. The 17th of Tammuz began a three-week period of mourning in the Jewish calendar. During this period, many Jews don't cut their hair, eat meat, or even wash clothes that will not be worn again. On the Shabbat prior to Tisha B'Av, a special Haftarah, a prophetic portion, is chanted in the synagogue. Called Chazon, which means vision, it comes from Isaiah chapter 1, where he details his vision of Jerusalem's imminent destruction, Chazon Yeshiahu The vision of Isaiah. One of the lasting memories of this destruction is the book of Lamentations, found at the end of the Hebrew Bible. The book is ascribed to the prophet Jeremiah, who is said to have composed this lament upon Jerusalem's destruction. During the commemorations on Tisha B'Av, Jews read the book of Lamentations in the synagogue and in Israel around bonfires, which are lit in memory of the flames that engulfed the temple. Key note, Poems of sorrow written over the centuries are also chanted during the day. On the following Shabbat, the prophetic reading is Isaiah chapter 40, verses one through 26, which begins, Nachamu Nachamu Ami, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. It is the first of seven prophetic portions of consolation from the prophet Isaiah that are read in sequence until Yom Kippur. Another lasting remembrance of the destruction of the first temple, is Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept, as we thought of Zion. There on the poplars we hung up our lyres, for our captors asked us there for songs, our tormentors for amusement. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing a song of the eternal on alien soil? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand lose its cunning, Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I cease to think of you, if I do not keep Jerusalem in memory, even at my happiest hour. This lament clearly reflects the yearning of the Babylonian Jewish community for a restored temple in Jerusalem. Never would they forget the importance of returning to Jerusalem and restoring the temple and its sacrifices. The exilic prophet Ezekiel also spoke of this yearning, when he prophesied about the Valley of the Dry Bones in chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The risen bones represent the rise of the Babylonian Jewish community and their return to Zion. The Jewish exiles lived in Babylonia for about 70 years before the Persian king Cyrus allowed them to return to Jerusalem. A minority of Jews left Babylonia and returned. They built a second temple, the Temple of Zerubbabel, This small temple stood for several centuries until Herod the Great expanded the footprint in the first century of the Common Era and built what we recognize as the Second Temple today. The retaining wall that Herod built still stands. It is the Western or Wailing Wall where Jews still pray today, considered the holiest site in the world to Jews. The future Emperor Titus destroyed the Second Temple also on the 9th of Av in the year 70 of the Common Era. Titus's arch in Rome depicts his triumph parade, where he exhibited various temple artifacts, including the seven-branch menorah, a candelabrum that was always burning in the temple. In both temples, the primary way to serve God was through animal sacrifice. The Torah gives us a complex system of sacrifices, which the priests would offer on behalf of the one who brought it or on behalf of the entire people. The Talmud makes the system even more complex, specifying exactly when, how, and why the people should offer these animals. With the temple in ruins though, Jews had to find a different way to serve God. It stands to reason that the Jews in Babylonia, a land under Parthian Persian rule, had already begun to construct a prayer service in lieu of sacrifices. At that time, Jews were also dispersed throughout the Roman Empire and were creating their own worship traditions. There is also evidence that the priest engaged in prayer while waiting for the sacrifices to burn on the altar. These prayer communities eventually evolved into synagogues as we know them today. Another critical aspect after the destruction of the second temple was the need to continue Jewish learning. During the siege of Jerusalem, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai escaped Jerusalem by hiding in a coffin. His students carried him to the Roman general Vespasian. The rabbi predicted that Vespasian would become emperor by the end of the year. In gratitude, Vespasian granted Yochanan Ben-Zakai his wish to establish an academy for Jewish learning in the village of Yavna. Yavna became the center for the nascent rabbinic Judaism, a key step in the development of the Mishnah, codified about 130 years later. Vespasian subsequently left for Rome and became emperor, leaving control of the army to his son Titus in the year 69 of the Common Era. After destroying the temple, Titus became emperor in 71 CE after his father died. The destruction of the second temple led to another great revolution in Jewish thought and practice, the hope that the temple would be speedily restored. The destruction of the temple led to a surge in messianic yearning. The restoration of the temple, the third temple, will happen when the Messiah, the son of David, arrives. The Messiah will restore the sacrifices as well as resurrect the dead, redeem the world, and bring about the rule of God. We Jews are still waiting for that blessed day. The ninth of Av, however, commemorates more than just the destruction of the first and second temples and the hope for the Messiah's arrival. In a moment, we will look at some of those other events. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Before we return to our discussion of Tisha Av, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to rate and review this and previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, you can like us on Facebook. The 9th of Av was also the date of the expulsion of Jews from both England and Spain. On July 18th, 1290, the 9th of Av in the Jewish calendar, King Edward I of England issued an edict of expulsion. Jews could take their personal property with them, but all land was given to the king. Jewish merchants soon returned to England, but it was not for several centuries that Jews were officially welcomed back. The Jews in Spain faced a different situation. During the 15th century, the Christian monarchs slowly pushed the Moorish Muslim rulers off the Iberian Peninsula. Jews had been subject to increasingly difficult anti-Jewish legislation, leading many Jews to convert to Christianity. The Catholic rulers always suspected these conversos, as they were called, Of being secret Jews. In the 1440s, the Spanish clerics, with the support of Rome, established the Inquisition, a program of arrest and torture to root out secret Jews among these conversos. The Inquisition did not target Jews, it targeted the conversos who were suspected of continuing Jewish practices in secret. The Inquisition continued for centuries in the Old World and eventually the New. In 1469, King Ferdinand of Aragon married Isabella of Castile, uniting Spain under Catholic rule. In 1492, the king issued an edict of expulsion. All Jews were to leave Spain by the 9th of Av at the end of July, 1492. Incidentally, Columbus sailed westward on the exact same day that the Jews left Spain. In 1242, the first burning of the Talmud occurred on Tisha B'Av in France. World War I also began on Tisha B'Av. This war decimated a generation of young European men and laid the groundwork for an even greater disaster a generation later. The ninth of Av has become a catch-all day for Jewish catastrophe. As Jews approach this day, an increasing sense of dread falls upon us like a dark cloud, not fully lifting until after Yom Kippur. For all these reasons, Tisha B'Av is our collective day of sorrow, but just as important, it is a day when Jews recognize that perhaps we suffered these calamities because we were not entirely faithful to God. The exilic prophets proclaimed that the nations of destruction were God's agents. Should the Jews repent, God would return them to Jerusalem. After the destruction of the second temple, the rabbis declared that its destruction was due to Sinat chinam, senseless hatred. Jewish infighting caused the destruction of the Second Temple. The Romans were simply God's agents. We may not realize or even agree with these theological reasons today, but they are important. Remembering them puts us in the frame of mind to repent. As such, Tisha B'Av begins the period of intense introspection that concludes with the final shofar call on Yom Kippur. And for your information, in 2021, Tisha B'Av began on the night of July 17th and continued until sundown of the following day. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. You can listen to and rate previous episodes, and this one as well, on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Next week, we will return to discussing the streams of Judaism as we conclude with Hasidism. Have a great day, and remember, How good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.